Welcome to the Archive of a Month podcast by Buckinghamshire Archives. My name is Catherine and I'm one of the staff at the Archive. We are incredibly lucky that we are supported by a dedicated team of volunteers. Now, I've not seen them in over a year, so to mark Volunteer Week at the start of June, I caught up with three of them via Zoom. So this morning I'm joined by volunteers Dick, Elizabeth and Anne. First of all, I want to figure out how many years between you, you have been volunteering for the Centre for Buck Studies slash Buckinghamshire Archives. Who wants to go first? I have no idea, Catherine. It must be six, seven years, something like that. I looked it up just before the meeting and I started in January, I think it was 2011. So it's actually 10 years, it will be, except I haven't been able to get in this year, so. Yes, I think I started in sort of February 2014, something like that. Elizabeth, 10 years, Dick, maybe about six years, so that's up to 16. And then Anne, that would make it about six years from you, so. Yes, so it must be about 20 years between you. Yeah, I reckon it's more, mine's more like five years. I think I started in 16, looking back at my diary. 19 years does not sound nearly as impressive as 20. <laughs> go, go for 20. It's an ongoing thing. I wanted to come to you first, Anne. What first inspired you to come and volunteer? Well, I was looking for something to do with history and some of the other things I'd been doing had, had ended. And because I knew Roger Betridge, who was then the curator, and and Gary was working on the Cheshire Memorial Court roles, and he suggested I might uh, ask Roger about volunteering. And so I did, and I applied, and that's how I got in. I came in just at a time they were doing a lot of work on the First World War with Sarah Charlton. Also, they were looking for someone who could help with the education classes that they were running at the time because the person who was involved was leaving. And so I, I, that's how I sort of came straight in with, a, with something to do. And also on the First World War, the home front project that Sarah was running. So that's how I got in. Out in the real world, you'd been um, a teacher, hadn't you? I was uh, teaching 11 to 18 year olds history all my life. Yes, <laughs> working life anyway. And it underlines a point that often with volunteers, it's a, for us, it's an opportunity to bring in skills that we just don't have. A real case in point with you, Anne. Elizabeth, I think that your first assignment with us was the BAS Deeds Project, which is kind of just winding up now. Can you tell us a little bit about that and what it was like? Well, I'm a member of the Bucks Archaeological Society, and I noticed there was a notice in one of their newsletters saying volunteers needed at the Centre for Buckinghamshire Studies. And I've always been interested in history, and I thought, yes, that sounds good. And that's how I came in to volunteer and was presented with what seemed like hundreds of boxes, which hadn't been touched since the 30s, as far as I know, and a huge range of materials. It was extraordinary. They seem to have acquired quite a lot of property deeds, a lot of ephemera. Um, there are also tangible objects like, um, I don't know, spades and things, but they were dealt with, I think, by the museum. I didn't have to deal with those. So it was all paper uh, materials, but could be paper or parchment. And it was a very, I won't say random, eclectic perhaps. And I couldn't quite work out why some of them had actually ended up in Aylesbury, but that's by the by. 
So it was fascinating to see, I mean, a lot of the deeds, the estate deeds were fairly samey. They tend to follow the same pattern. But then you'd get something like a, a license from Oliver Cromwell for a, a wine cellar, um, wine a tavern in High Wycombe. And you think, really? Um, and he was described as His Highness Oliver Cromwell, you know, His Highness Oliver, Lord Protector, etc., which I thought was rather strange. So it's that sort of quirkiness of the collections that I really enjoyed. So since the uh, since the volunteer phase of that project, we've employed a project architect, Martin, who has put all that information up on our catalogue. And I was using it last week. Um, I found a wonderful letter. It's almost like something out of uh, an Austen novel, really. One person had fallen out with someone else. And uh, it was all along the lines of, how dare you treat me so badly, but so beautifully written. And I'm going to use it as part of putting together some creative writing kits. So that's going to go in there, uh, like a, a scan of that and then a transcript on the other side. And it might inspire someone to write a, a story about what happened before or what happened after oh, yeah. that letter was written. So um, it, the work that you do, it, it really, it eventually um, feeds into the, uh, the output that we have. Now, Dick, Anne and Elizabeth have been working with us um, on the collections, listing, cataloguing and putting together education uh, materials, that sort of thing. But you work uh, with the collections in a different way. And I believe that you came to us really with an offer that we couldn't refuse. So can you tell us about how uh, you got involved with uh, Buckinghamshire Archives? Yes, I came on spec. Um, I'd been doing bookbinding as a hobby, I suppose about 10 or 11 years now, maybe a bit more even if I lose track. I, so I've been going to college during term time for all that time and had a couple of tutors. I've been to two different colleges and had tutors and we had projects every term. And so I've gradually been expanding my repertoire and finding out that if I started 40 years ago, I'd probably know a bit more. But I found that I, got, I was getting a little frustrated. I could do bookbinding at college, obviously. The, the studios in both places are well equipped. And I bought some kit and was able to do some stuff at home. And that I did if people asked me to repair or restore something. But I felt a bit kind of frustrated that I wasn't putting my stuff I was learning to good practice to keep it going properly. And we went uh, through an organised visit by one of my tutors to the County Archive for Westminster for Westminster Council, not, not nothing to do with the Parliament, the Westminster Council, they have a fantastic archive, you can imagine. Uh, the local authority there has some very ancient stuff. And there were two or three volunteers there working, as you haven't say working on maps, but they showed us what they did and so on. And I thought that's really interesting. Quite be quite a nice way of being able to expand my time I could do stuff. So I thought, oh, well, I'll ask the, the archive of our local authority, which is Buckinghamshire, of course. So I, I can't remember if I emailed, I can't remember how it started, but anyway, I ended up talking to Sam and she asked me to come in and I took some stuff what I'd done with me and we had a talk and I just kind of wouldn't let me go, really. <laughs> <laughs> I should mention Sam is our conservator. Yes, and when you come in, Dick, you, you, uh, you head over to Sam's conservation lab and you, you're there working with all this rather arcane looking, complicated looking book, book binding equipment. And uh, you work absolute wonders, really. Oh, thank you. Yes, the great thing about bookbinding is, is that the kit we use, apart from a few odds and ends, um, would be recognised by any medieval bookbinder. It hasn't really changed very much. 
So, uh, yeah, and I get an interesting succession of books. So I've had one or two out of the archive dating from the 17th century, where I think somebody in one case had taken it out and found it was in a poor state and asked if we could do anything about it. And I had to go at that. I, re I recovered. I didn't have to rebind. I recovered one of the really early Bucks County Council minute books. The leather was all torn and damaged and the spine was broken. And then there's a succession of stuff, mostly from the reference library, which gets damaged, not in a bad way, but because of use. And the most common problem with that kind of thing is with a lot of books is that the spine gets damaged because people grab hold. You know, you put your finger in the top of the spine to pull it off the shelf. And what happens eventually, if you do that a lot, the spine breaks. And so there's quite a lot of that. Yeah, so there's always more stuff than I have time to do. And in the drawer in the conservation office, there are probably four books gathering dust right now. Okie dokie. Uh, so I'm going to ask this question to all of you. Why do you keep coming back? I don't mean it in a bad way. <laughs> well, because one, it's a really friendly place to work. And I think what you feel you're doing is really helpful and useful. And, and I think one of them in the archive is that the people you work with make you first thing. But secondly, also, because I think if you're interested in history, because you're working with all those documents, interesting things come up, things you didn't know or add to something that you were interested in or something, you know, you can follow up. So I think it gives you something you, you can actually continue doing at home you know, and read up and find out. And, and, and I think it's just a continuing education in itself. As you know, as you said, as well as being able to use usefully uh, any skills that, that you acquired during during your working life. But but it is a really nice place to work. Extra serving of cake for you next time you're in now. <laughs> <laughs> I want to come back. <laughs> I would agree with everything that Anne said. You do get the feeling that you're doing something constructive that may be of use to somebody in the future. It is an extremely nice place to work to work. What I particularly like is you can work at your own pace. You set your own goals, really. But there's always somebody there. If you've got a query, a problem, there's always somebody there who will have the answer. It's usually Sally, but uh, it could be anyone. Um, you get a good feeling of having completed your tasks and, and something which may then be of use to somebody. I mean, one day I was working there and uh, two women came in and they were trying to trace their family history. They'd got quite a lot of information and it was about a farm in Buckinghamshire and it so happened the name sounded I was eavesdropping slightly the name was familiar and I realized I'd actually indexed a document about that particular farm the last week so I was able to come up with the information which added to what what they had so it was a, an instant gratification there usually you know that it goes onto a database and may be of interest in the future but it, it's very satisfying and um, as Anne said you you keep finding small details. I mean, I found the language is absolutely fascinating. Phrases, which uh, you, you've heard of the term time immemorial, that's fairly standard, but there was a document in Newport Pagnell about the rebuilding of bridge in 1641, where they used the phrase, time out of memory of man, which I think was really poetic. I really like that. And that happens all the time. So you're constantly coming across things which lead you off into new directions. So it's stimulating. You're doing something good, but you're getting something out of it as well. Yeah. So I'd agree with uh, everything that Elizabeth and Anne have said. Um, 
for me, it's a, a chance to keep refreshing and practicing the skills that I've been picking up. Some of the things I work on are quite interesting. My wife says to me, would you ever look at what's in the books? And I say, if I started reading the books, I'd never do anything. <laughs> but they, I have done some interesting things and they vary from things like a doctor's notebook from I think the, uh, the mid to late Victorian times, beautifully written prescriptions, beautifully written in Victorian script and uh, a similar notebook from one of the police stations of the, uh, the sergeant or whoever was in charge had written various things about what he'd been telling his force to do and not to do. Some of them had gone off and got drunk one evening apparently and so on. So there's fun in that, even if I just flick through. And then there are really old books, as I said, which need a somewhat more care and attention um, and can be quite difficult because often, especially if they're privately printed, there are quite a lot of those. The material on which they're done, the paper is really not very good because they were done for a price, obviously. So working on them quite hard. Yes, it's interesting. And I do find, too, that just doing the books and being able to put them back into circulation is something that's... Um, that I find a nice thing to do because, you know, these are books which are being constantly referred to, even if they're something like a Kelly's directory, then, you know, they're going back so that people can use them for their research, which I really like. Plus the company is lovely. Um, Sam and I got on really well, which is just as well. <laughs> yes, it's a very, very nice place to work. And also as, as uh, I think you said, Elizabeth, you're not, on, I'm not under any pressure. I do get, what one of my bookbinding colleagues refers to, uh, would you be able to, when someone will come wandering in and say, Dick, we found this and I wonder, dot, dot, dot. And usually you can do something, although old books are a bit like working on an old house. You've no idea what you're going to find until you start working on it. So uh, that's, that's a challenge of in, in its own right. And you have to sort of invent stuff and say, I wonder how I'm going to do this. No one ever taught me how to do this, but you do know, like when you learn techniques. What, what you try and do something with it so yeah great place to come to from our point of view um as conservators and archivists we are often handing over to volunteers the jobs that we'd love to do ourselves so there's always a, an idea that we're handing it to you but we wish we could do it ourselves and it just isn't there isn't time and because you were all volunteers before I started even from day one it was really clear that there's so much expertise as volunteers you you learn and develop so much and you become the experts in those papers that you're working on and in the techniques of bookbinding it's just and we've hooked you up before with academics who are interested in, in Fremantle because you've spent a lot of time working on the Fremantle collection and Elizabeth and Dick you've both written articles um, for us as well uh, that we've we've circulated as part of our, our output uh, and our newsletters so there's just so much expertise and you're so generous with it as well that you know we ask we ask questions and you just give that information so willingly and I'm always in awe of our volunteers but I have some news the situation with Covid is that we can't welcome you back just yet but we have been planning <laughs> um, so whilst we have no fixed date we, we were hoping that sort of mid-summer we'd be able to welcome you back and part of that planning has been thinking about should we recruit some more volunteers? And we have a project that we're working on, cataloguing our spinal unit and parasports papers. So we're, we're planning to launch a big recruitment campaign this month in, in June to recruit some more volunteers to help with that box listing. And I was just wondering that if someone saw an advert 
saying, come and volunteer at Bucks Archives and work on these papers. Would you tell them to run for the hills or would you, what would you say? Yes, no, no, definitely. I think you'd encourage them <laughs> to come. I think you can say to them, it doesn't really matter what your skills are. You don't have to know anything about history or documents because somebody will tell you. And, and it's an opportunity, I think, to sort of, you say, to learn something new. When people say things, I always say it's a good place and try and encourage them to come, you know, because I think it is. And, and I think sometimes people don't know what skills they've got, you know, and what they can do. And so I think it's very good for people's self-esteem, as uh, particularly as you get older, you know, you, you know that, that, that you can still feel that, that, that you can contribute something. So I think it's very important. But young people as well, and you have had young people come in, haven't you? Uh, and many of them sort of need a bit of a, a bolster up, shall we say, and to try and encourage them to do something. And therefore, and then they might go into archiving it, itself, you know, so I think that that would be good. Yes, I certainly think uh, people should be encouraged to, to come along and, and, and help, uh, as long as there's space for them. Um, they have difficulty fitting everyone in, I think. But um, yeah, when the very interesting thing to get involved in, I'd certainly recommend it. Yeah, so would I. I, I think one of the things is, it is can be a, a new dimension and it's a, a social environment, there's no question about that, which is different probably from the social environment that most people have on a day-to-day -day basis because it's doing something different. And I think that's a good thing. That's one of the things I like is, um, yeah, I'm quite busy at home, but um, when I come to the archive, I'm doing something that I don't do very much at home. And I'm mixing with people who I don't see in any other place typically so it's a whole social environment a really nice friendly warm and yeah very welcoming i certainly was made to feel very welcome when i arrived and then the whole thing is if you've got a different dimension to go for then i think that helps to keep your mind active lively and uh, give you a different a new and additional environment I was going to say that um, last week I had a, an email from a volunteer, uh, someone who used to volunteer with us, who's now got a job in the archive world. And it was just a, mm -hmm. a lovely kind of circle. Uh, she came to us not knowing much about archives, thinking it might be something that she wanted to follow as a, a career. And uh, she's gone off and managed to make a career for herself out of it. Um, and that's really rewarding. So as you were saying, Anne, it, it, we, we just, we get people of all ages and at all stages of our life coming through our doors. And some people stay for just a little bit and some people are with us for a long time and it's all, it's all helpful, isn't it? I was just gonna have a quick fire round. Um, one question to each of you, it's the same question. Favorite collection or item, go. <laughs> Well, I mean, <laughs> mine has to be the Fremantle collection, doesn't it? <laughs> because basically that's, that's what I've been working on for the time I've been here. Through accidentally getting involved because of through the First World War project we did and looking at the archive of Florence Fremantle, who was a land army girl in the First World War. And we had the excitement of finding her letters I mean, they'd been in the archive all the time, but in a box that wasn't very well archived. And then moving from there onto boxes that hadn't been archived and, and now looking at the main archive and trying to make a bit more sense of it. So I think it's an ongoing project that will last another hundred years. 
but I shall be here for another hundred years. Wow. <laughs> um, I think my favourite collection really was the Bucks Archaeological Society, just for the sheer variety of, of items in it. And my favourite piece, because my, of my interest in lace making, was a piece of vellum about the size of an A5 sheet of paper, uh, which was dated August 1655. And if you held it up to the light, you could see that it had been tricked by a pin and was actually a lace maker's pattern. It had come to the archive because it was the bond between um, a widow in Newport Pagnell, Joan Gilbert, to somebody called John Payne, can't remember who he was, um, but clearly she had been a lace maker and she would have had a, a clean sheet of parchment which had been pricked with the pattern that she was going to work on. And after it was no longer required, she saved a bit of money by writing a book, somebody wrote for her probably, this bond on it. Now, I I recognised it for what it was because I'm interested in lace making and you had to hold it up to the light to, to see what it was. And I'm not sure that uh, it would have been recognised perhaps, but that just sent uh, shivers down my spine to think that this woman had used it in her work and was now using it as a, as a legal document. Mm, that's fascinating. That's fascinating. I, I find it very difficult because uh, I like I like quite a lot of the books I work. I think two that stick in mind. I mentioned the Bucks County Council Minutes book. I think it was volume two. That was very satisfying to do because it was quite a challenge to do, and uh, it's a sizable book. And uh, I came out as it came out really well, probably better than I hoped. And the other one was um, I can't remember. It was a big catalogue book. Which also needed completely rebinding that was also so it was a lot of work so these things stick in my mind um, because they took a long time to do more than anything else but yeah they're they're all interesting in their own way so I, i'd find it really difficult to pick one out and i never know what i'm going to get tomorrow so thank you everyone um and i want to say a huge thank you to the three of you um Dick, Elizabeth and Anne, thanks for talking to me today. Um, and I also want to say thank you to our other current volunteers who've not been able to come in for over a year. So that is James, Nick, Ashley, and the Art Society Conservation Crew. Thank you everyone for giving your time. That was such a fun podcast to record. If you think you might be interested in volunteering with us, Look out for news of our new project during June and drop us an email to get the ball rolling. Thank you for listening.